We're in Acts chapter 13. I'm going to warn you up front, if you're new or visiting, uh, even if you've been here for a while, this is going to be kind of like a college course this morning. Um, I'm going to be teaching principles, and they're very important principles. Uh, I should have said that at the first service, because a lot of them left with like deer in the headlights. There was so much information, and it's, it's very, um, for me, it's really important to stress this to you. Um, if you're new or visiting, I, I don't look at this as just doing another Bible study. This is 45 minutes that I have to mentor you. I cannot mentor each of you individually. But as the Word says, I'm to train you up for the work of the ministry. And so I take that very seriously. And so I want to teach you principles, um, not just pat you on the head and send you away with a sugar-coated study. Uh, we need to go deeper with Christ. In these days we're living in, we need to go deeper with Christ. We're going to be challenged more and more and more if you're keeping up with the debates and what is being said. Um, it's unbelievable what is just being said that could possibly happen. It's it's just crazy what's going to happen to Christianity, guys. So you, you better be ready. You, know, you better be ready. And so this is part of the process. So um, it's going to be a history lesson, uh, a challenge. Where are you at with your walk with Christ? And where are you at with your serving for Christ? Uh, it's very, very important. So Acts chapter 12, we'll start in verse 24, and then we're going to go through verse 3 of 13. So again, if you're new or visiting, we go through the book of Acts on Sunday morning, verse by verse. Pastor Virel is doing Wednesday nights, the book of Romans, verse by verse. But the word of the Lord grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Maanian, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us. It is a privilege to minister to you. And we thank you for all the Bible-believing Christian churches that are coming together to minister at uh, Compassion Queen Creek in a few weeks from now. And Father, we want our community to be impacted, not just physically, but spiritually. I know every church wants to see people saved. And so we pray for that, Father, that you would soften hearts even right now and get them prepared to hear the gospel. We do want to meet those physical needs, but only believers can meet the spiritual needs. And so you call us as believers to be available for your use. Father, we thank you for your word, this love letter to humanity, eight billion people shortly. You love every single person. Father, if there is a person amongst us this morning that does not know Jesus as their Savior, we pray that you would open their hearts to your love, your grace, your mercy, that they would understand that they are a sinner in need of a Savior. As every believer in this room has acknowledged, we acknowledge that we are a sinner in need of a Savior, and we ask Jesus to be our Savior. We pray for that as well, Father, that at the end of this service, if someone does not know Jesus, that they would answer the call 
and they would receive Jesus as their Savior. Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Herod Agrippa I, who had the Apostle James killed and was seeking to have Peter killed as well, is now off the scene. And this is very important because we live in the here and now and we have people over us in the here and now that can cause grief and sorrow. It might be a supervisor. Uh, it might be a politician. It, it might We don't know, but we have that. And so this is very real and very applicable. And I just want to encourage you all in this as we keep hearing that drumbeat going through America. You know, the Bible is irrelevant. It's archaic. It's not applicable. It's not practical. Lie, lie, lie. It's very applicable, very practical, which I hope you'll see today. You see, another worldly leader's life is in the history books. I mean, think about this, guys. We just read verse 24, but the word of God grew and multiplied. And here we are in 2020. And we know that Herod died in 40, this Herod died in 44 AD. So almost 2,000 years have come and gone. How many rulers have come and gone? And yet the Bible is still with us to this very day. You see, but the word of God grew and multiplied. Another worldly leader's life is in the history books. And it was not a life that would have brought praise. It would not have brought praise. And so as you think about your life, it's very important to think about life because we're all going to die. Everyone in this room is going to die. And most likely you're going to have a memorial service. And hopefully somebody will show up for that. And when they show up, what are they going to be saying? Are they going to be praising God for you? Or are they going to be praising you? It's a big difference. And so we need to think about these things because people come and go. You see, our final verse in our study last week summed up what takes place when a leader like Peter lived for God instead of for himself. The word of God grew and multiplied. And we're here this morning to lift up the word of God. If you're new or visiting, the word of God is the most important thing to us. We just don't say that. We mean that. You'll see by the end of the service. It will give us the strength necessary to press on no matter what comes our way. That is the example that these early saints are giving us. And that we must, guys, we, we must, it's not an option here. We must pass on to the next generation. And depending on how old you are, there is still a generation underneath you that you need to be thinking about as a 20 or a 30 year old. As a 40 or a 50 year old, doesn't matter what age you are, there is a generation underneath you that needs sound counsel, sound wisdom. It, they need the word of God. They're getting plenty of the world. They need the word of God. And so it's up to you and I. You see, verse 25, as we look at verse 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Well, what was their ministry? Well, look back, chapter 11, at verse 29 and 30, and you'll see what why 25 says what it says. Then the disciples, each according to his ability, determined to send financial relief to the brethren dwelling in Judea. This they also did, 
and sent it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So now going over verse 25, chapter 12, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. Boom, that was it. They fulfilled that ministry. Now they're going to be going back to Antioch. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark. Very, very interesting here. Now, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. So notice, I want you to notice here as we're going through the book of Acts, that Antioch was the foundational Christian church. And Antioch is in Syria. Syria. Not in Rome, but in Syria. Antioch was the third largest city in the Roman Empire, which at that time had eight 100,000 residents. Now for you and I, we, we got to think about this. As the gospel is going forth, 800,000 people with no modern conveniences. Think about the trash. 800,000 people. Think about the sewer system, the water system. No modern conveniences. This was a very large city. So we want to understand that so we can better grasp what the gospel was trying to do, ministering to thousands and thousands of people. It had a bustling trade and a commerce life from the Tigris and the Euphrates River valleys to the east. So people were coming and going through Antioch. Asia Minor was directly north and Egypt to the south. The city also had four ethnic groups, which made them culturally rich, and racially diverse. It's very interesting that this Gentile city was going to be Saul's base for starting his various missionary journeys. Not Jerusalem or Rome, but Antioch. And as we studied previously, Barnabas was sent there by the apostles to minister to the new believers in Antioch. He then went to find Saul in Tarsus and brought him back to minister with him. So as we see Peter and Jerusalem fading into the background. That's going to start taking place here in in Acts. We will go back to Jerusalem here and there, but it's basically going to fade into the background, and it's now going to be Saul and his missionary journeys are going to come to the forefront. And the gospel is finally going to go forth to the Gentiles. Very, very important. John, you want to throw that next one up? Saul and his missionary journeys are going to come to the forefront and the gospel is finally going to go forth to the Gentiles. Why do I say finally? Well, again, it's kind of a history lesson, but it's important for you and I because we all have what? As I've spoken of the last few months, we all have prejudices. We all have prejudices in this room. Every one of us does. If you don't think so, start talking politics. You'll find out real quick. <laughs> the enemy wants to divide Republicans and Democrats. I'm talking about spiritual enemy here. The enemy wants to divide. And this is in in America here, guys. This is in reality and it's creeping in the church. The enemy wants to divide blacks and whites, Hispanics and blacks, whites and Hispanics, cultures. He wants to divide cultures. He wants to divide men and women. This is reality. This is happening in our society, in our culture. And we have to be careful that we do not go down that road in the church. It's about Jesus. And we have to stay focused on Jesus. Very, very important. But now in 44 AD, Herod died. When is this? 
roughly, this time frame. This time frame is roughly 48 AD, historians tell us. Jesus died and rose again in 32 AD. So 16 years, Saul received the Lord. We don't know when, but very early on. So maybe it's now 14 years since Saul received Jesus. And the body of Christ has still not gone to the Gentiles. Now, if you're new or visiting, if you're a Jew, you know you're a Jew. You have Jewish blood in you. If you don't have Jewish blood in you, you're a Gentile. In biblical times, as well as today, to the Orthodox Jew, if you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. Forget what you think you are. As you read your Bible, you just want to have that in your mind so you understand the Bible better. Is God talking to the Jew or is God talking to the Gentile? Or is God talking to the church? So you're either a Jew or a Gentile. Fourteen years have gone by. So don't think that a Christian cannot have prejudices. The, the, the believers, the Jewish church, was not going to the Gentiles. That's called prejudice. Peter opened the door to the Gentiles to be accepted into the church, but it was going to be Saul who goes out to the Gentiles to be used by God to bring them the good news of the heavenly kingdom. Galatians 2, 7 and 8 says this, Paul writing, On the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised, so that would be Gentile, circumcision was given to the Jew, had been committed to me, this is Paul writing, Saul, Paul, same man, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, Jew, okay, verse 8, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the Jew also worked effectively in me towards the Gentiles. We're going to start seeing the ministry of Paul start to take place. Now, as we studied a few weeks ago, prophets and teachers were unique and separate spiritual gifts. Often people think of the gift of prophecy as God giving us insight about the future or foretelling. You can get the CD. We covered this in detail a few weeks ago. But when I see prophecy being used, I see it as Paul taught about it in 1 Corinthians 14.3, being used in the aspect of exhortation, edification, and comfort, or forthtelling, forthtelling of the word of God. So we're going to look at a list here. And again, it's not very interesting on the surface. So I encourage you to stretch a little bit Try to pay attention. Try to place yourself back in this day, because that's how we learn best, and realize the intimacy, the intimacy of the early church. And I want to bring this up before I start getting into this. Why do I bring this up? You see, we all drove basically in separate cars. We have separate houses, separate careers, and we live in a separate world. We want communication, and we think we're improving on our communication with our cell phones, which is actually getting worse because some people will not even answer their cell phone. They just want to text. Well, when you just text, you don't hear tone. You don't hear inflection. And so texts get taken out of context. And all of a sudden you have somebody mad at you that shouldn't be mad at you because they wouldn't pick up their phone and talk. But we're getting better with our communication. It's not getting better. It's getting worse. And so even as you hear this, I just want to say this. The church was very intimate. 
And I would say there's probably 20 to 30 people in a given church and as a rule, the church as a whole that are intimate. They will go to a Wednesday night study. They will go to a marriage enrichment. They will go to a young adult. They will go to a home fellowship. They'll go to a men's study or a women's Bible study. And that's where you start to find more intimacy and where you really get connected to each other. So as we read this list and as I go over it, it's kind of like a college course. But I want you to understand that's the point. As we're going to see these names referenced in other books of the Bible, there's an intimacy with the early church that's been lost, unfortunately. We've separated ourselves, many of us. And I want to encourage you not to do that. But to get involved and to become intimately involved. If you're looking for a church, if this is not your church, that's fine. I understand that. But whatever church you feel that you're called to, not that you feel comfortable with, but that you're called to get involved. Become intimate in these wicked days that we're living in, the next generation needs to see that and understand that it's vital, that it's important. Right now, 20s and 30-year-olds are blowing the church off. They don't need it. Why don't they need it? Probably because their parents and their grandparents were not intimately involved with the church. So what good was the church? I have, intimate, I have more intimacy with my, with my heathen friends that you Christians have with each other. So why do I need the church? That's reality. We got to receive it for what it is. So we have to take responsibility. As we read over this list, I encourage you to really think about this list and think about intimacy. Not just a list of names, but think about intimacy. So we have a list here and there are some who are considered prophets and teachers. And in this list we find Barnabas. So first of all, there are certain prophets, teachers, Barnabas. You know, he was a Hellenist from the island of Cyprus. He was a man of encouragement, of encouragement. He was the one who initially came alongside Saul and brought him before the brethren at Jerusalem. Next in the list, we see Simeon. Simeon has the same root word as Simon, and tradition holds that this man is Simon of Cyrene, who has the surname of Niger, or Black. Cyrene no longer exists as a city, but back then it would have been isolated, located in modern-day Libya, about 10 miles off the coast of the Mediterranean Sea. You'll remember from the Gospel accounts that there was a man with his two sons who were coming to Jerusalem to offer up a sacrifice for the Feast of Passover. Jesus was on his way to Golgotha to be crucified, he could no longer carry his cross, or just basically the cross beam. And so a Roman guard put his sword on the the shoulder of Simon, and he was committed to carry that you had to do whatever the Roman soldier told you to do, or you could be executed on the spot. That's called socialism and communism, in case you don't know. He could be executed on the spot. So Simon had to carry the cross. You see, he was pressed into service by the Romans. Very important. John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, makes reference to his two sons. 
One was named Alexander and the other named Rufus. Rufus and his mother are later mentioned in by Paul in Romans 16, 13. Start to see the intimacy? Paul had such a close relationship with his family that he referenced their mother as if she was his own mother. So we see at one point that Simon was pressed into service against his own will, but now we see that he is more than willing to serve the Most High God. Not only did he serve, but he brought someone with him. Lucios, Lucios is the next name we see there. We do not have any information about this man except that he was probably the same man mentioned in Romans 16.21. So again, intimacy. But what I like about this situation is that we see Simon went back to his homeland and brought his wife and family back to Israel to serve God. Very important, Simon or Simeon. Prior to his return, he obviously shared about the experience of the cross and resurrection, which most likely had an impact upon at least one of his friends, Lucias. Again, intimacy. And I just want to stop here and say, you have people that are watching you. You have people that are watching you. Four, six, there's eight people in your workplace, in your family, neighborhood, whatever it might be, they're watching you. And hopefully you're not a secret Christian. They're watching you because they know you're a Christian and they want to see how you live. They hear how you talk. They want to see how you live. They want to see your walk. And so it's very important for us to realize this, that people are watching us. And someone was watching Simon and someone heard the gospel and someone received Simon and now is with Simon in another land serving the Lord. We'll talk about that later on, but it's very, very important that you and I realize this. The next name, the next man we read is Manhanan. What's interesting about this is that this man was brought up hanging around the family of Herod Antipas, who had John the Baptist beheaded. Now we know how bad the family of Herod was, yet God called someone out of that pit, and he is now serving with the saints. What's the relevance of this for you and I today? Don't ever give up on praying for those who seem to be in places that are unapproachable. Got a slide. Don't give up on praying for those whom you might think would be a hopeless case. Anybody in your life that you can think of right now, they're a hopeless case? Don't give up. Don't give up. I mean, that's we could all have those thoughts. Don't give up. This man was raised alongside of Herod the Tetrarch. Talk about a pit. But he came to receive Jesus as his Savior, and now he's involved in the ministry. Do not give up praying. It's a great example for us today. And then the last name is Saul. Saul of Tarsus, whom we've discussed in detail several times over the last few months, and we'll spend many studies on in the future. So verse 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said... Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now we're going to get a little deep here on principles. So you got to really stretch yourself here possibly. We see something, I see something anyways, from the ministry aspect that can be easily overlooked. Notice that they were ministering, verse 2 there, 
They were ministering to the Lord. They were ministering to the Lord, not just for the Lord. In order for us to be available for God's eternal kingdom, we need to be spending time with the Lord or ministering to the Lord. And I'll explain this further on, so hang in there. Remember from our study on Sunday how the psalmist was complaining about the wicked who seemed to be advancing while he, a righteous person, seemed to be failing. Remember what happened in Psalm seventy-three, seventeen? It says, Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood their end. It was when the psalmist went into the house of the Lord that he realized the error of his thinking. He was ministering for the Lord. He forgot about ministering to the Lord. To the Lord. When he went and spent time with the Lord, he was literally ministering to the Lord, praying, fasting, listening, reading the word of God. As I do these things, I give myself to God not just for God. Now I'm trying to teach you a principle and it might be a little deep. I don't think so, but you got to really think about it. Jesus is our, many times we'll say, accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I encourage you not to say that. You cannot have Jesus as your Lord before he's your Savior. But when you say it, say, I encourage you to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, you're now saved. And at Calvary here, we believe you cannot lose your salvation. So that's now off the table. Now comes the sanctification. You've been justified. You're going to be glorified one day. But now comes the sanctification process. And that's where you become more like Jesus. But in order to become more like Jesus, you need to minister to God. You need to be spending time in prayer. You need to be spending time in the Word. Many times Christians that come and get saved, they're encouraged to go out, okay, go out and do something for the Lord. Let's get busy and do things for the Lord. Well, that's great. But you're getting the cart in front of the horse. Because a person that is not deep, has not matured, ministering to the Lord and being filled with the Holy Spirit so that he can hear or she can hear what the Lord would have them to do, How many of you ever heard the phrase or have said the phrase? Well, we won't do that because then you might not raise your hand. How many of you heard the phrase, I'm I'm burned out? Anybody ever heard that phrase? If you use it around me, I'm going to teach you something. (laughs) Because you cannot burn out the Holy Spirit. How do you burn out God? Now, if you're ministering in the flesh, I will say, you know what? Rest. Just rest. You need some rest. I get it. I understand. We all need rest. Physical rest, spiritual rest. No problem with it. Don't retire. Don't retire. But yeah, get some rest. You're feeling spiritually fatigued. Because you're probably operating in the flesh and now you say you're burned out. Yeah, you're burned out because of your own flesh. Just rest. Ask the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will then give you strength to minister, and you can never burn out the Holy Spirit. That's a very, very important principle as we look at the ministry here. 
the ministry. So I encourage you to meditate on that this week. There is a difference between ministering to the Lord and for the Lord. I personally cannot minister for the Lord here on a Sunday morning to you if I did not spend all week ministering to the Lord through prayer and reading the word and fellowshipping with God on a regular basis. I would get burned out. And I've never been burned out. I get tired, just like you, but I've never get burned out because God has called me to do this. And when he says it's time to lay it down, I'm going to be more than happy to lay it down because I do not want to get burned out. I want to be where God wants me to be. And that's where you need to be as well. So I encourage you to meditate on that this week. You see, as they were ministering to the Lord, the Holy Spirit ministered to them. And most likely through one of the prophets assembled there. Separate Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them to do. Do Are you getting this? They were waiting on the Lord. It's been roughly 14 years since Saul's conversion. And that promise that was given to him from the very beginning, that he would go and minister to the Gentiles, is now coming to pass. And this gives us insight into the patience of Saul. You see, he was willing to wait upon God. He was willing to wait upon God. John, you want to throw that slide up? And here's my question to you. Are you willing to wait upon God? Are you willing to wait upon God? Are you willing to minister to God so that you can hear from God how he wants to use you? Now, as a Christian, you might say, yes, I am. Great. Now we'll become the application. Are you willing to do it? No, I'm not. Okay. Be honest with yourself. That's fine. But if you want to be used of the Lord, you have to minister to the Lord. Jesus said, and this is one of my key verses that I use in my life, store up treasure in heaven. Jesus said this. It wasn't a recommendation. It was a commandment. If you don't want to follow it, if I don't want to follow it, I don't have to. There's days where I don't feel like it. There's days where I haven't. So I'm not saying I'm perfect by any means. Don't, go, don't even go down that road. But I'm just saying, I try to make this all, you know, my verse. Store up treasure in heaven. Guys, do you realize when you get to heaven, there's not going to be one unsaved person there? You're going to have no ministry opportunities in heaven. Nobody's going to come up to you and say, would you pray for me? I'm not feeling well today. I've got a doctor's appointment. Heaven, guys, storing up treasure in heaven, it's over. Whatever you do on this side of heaven is stored up in heaven. No one can take it. It doesn't corrupt. The moths don't eat it. So if you're waiting to minister, don't wait too long. And if you've ministered and now you're in spiritual retirement, don't retire. Be in prayer about what you should be doing to store up treasure in heaven. And I don't know what we're going to do with that, but if Jesus said to do it, I'm going to listen. So for you and I, it's very, very important that we wait upon the Lord and now the time has arrived for him to go out and to minister. Another thing to notice here is that they were called to a specific work. The Holy Spirit has called each of us to minister to someone. Again, when we hear of ministry, again, we think, like I mentioned last week, you know, pastors, elders, deacons, Sunday school teachers, you know, those type of people. Not me. No, all of us. 
But often we find ourselves looking at others, maybe even within the ministry, wishing we could be more like them. But God hasn't called us to their ministry. Again, this is very, very important. He's called us to our ministry. What is your ministry? You might think, well, I don't have one. You have one, you just haven't prayed about it. Uh, I was sharing with a, an a, a older saint this week, and she was saying, you know, I, I, I can't, I don't have the ability to minister anymore. She, you know, her body is homebound and things like this. I'm just like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you talking about? That's a lie from the pit of hell. Can you pray? Well, yes, I can pray. So you can pray. So you can start praying for all the prayer requests that come across the church. And you can pray for other people. And you can pray for the government. And you can pray, 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 pray. And all of a sudden her countenance started to change. and start, She realized that was a lie from the pit of hell. Because again, we get this idea of ministry is always out in front of people. Ministry is behind people as well. Cleaning the toilets, vacuuming the carpet, mowing the lawn, doing whatever it might be that the Lord asks you to do for your neighbor or for the church, for your coworker, for anybody. So a lot of times we believe the lie. Well, I don't have enough scriptures memorized to minister. Lie. I haven't been in the Lord long enough. Lie. I'm lazy. True. <laughs> some things are lies. Some things are true. You have to pray about that. You pray about it. What has God called you to do? Luke twelve forty eight says this. For everyone to whom much is given, I mean, here, listen to this principle right here. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Does that apply to people that minister? (laughs) Absolutely. And that's why we have different ministries in the church, because I can't be everywhere. I can only be at one place at one time. So that's why we have various ministries and various ministers, and that's why you are the body of Christ, as individual members make up the body of Christ and you minister one to another. So we all have a ministry. It's, am I willing to commit? You see, when I commit to a ministry, what does that do? That gives me a responsibility, and then that makes me accountable. And again, 20 to 30% of the church wants to be held accountable. The other percentage does not. And that's just reality. That offends you, get over it. It's just reality. We don't want to be responsible because then I'll be accountable. I'll have to show up. I'll have to study. I'll have to do this. I'll have to do that. i just rather come to church, hear a Bible study, and go home. Don't try to get me intimately involved with the church. Okay, that's your life. I'm just here, and this church is here to encourage you otherwise. I would be doing you a disservice if I did not prod you to serve the Lord. I'd be doing you a tremendous disservice because we only got one shot at this. Only one shot. And so it's very important for you and I to remember this. We only have one shot. Matthew 25 says, 14 through 29, gives us the parable of the servants and the talents. You know, 10, 5, 1. In other words, you might not really want someone else's responsibility in the ministry when you realize the accountability that comes with it. Instead of focusing on the ministry of others, focus on the ministry that the Lord has called you to do. Is the ministry be prayer? That's what, that's what you can do? Then you pray. And you give it unto the Lord. And God is going to honor that. And you are storing up treasure in heaven. 
But you and I, we need to be praying. You see, he's called you to be there so you might come alongside someone else to help lift them up in the Lord. Galatians 6.2 says this, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Guys, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is writing this to the pastors. Is that true? Feel free to answer no. Is this verse, as you're reading it, if you know about Galatians, and maybe you don't, so you need to study, but is Paul writing this through the Holy Spirit to pastors? Feel free to shake your head no. Is he writing this to elders only? Everyone. No. Is he writing it to deacons? Oh, this is just for the deacons. No. You see, he's writing it to every Bible-believing Christian. Yeah, but I don't want to do that. Okay, that's between you and God. Your heart's being exposed to you. You don't need to confess it to anybody else. But this is what Bible study is all about. This is what Sunday morning is all about. Discipleship and mentoring. You see, bear one another's burdens. Oh, so-and-so's got a burden. If they could only talk to the pastor. If you know so-and-so has a burden, take care of it. And if you can't take care of it, then obviously bring somebody who can. But just don't blow it off. And so fulfill the law of Christ. Romans 15, 1 and 2 says this out of New Living Translation. We who are strong must be considered of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not please ourselves. We should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. Verse 3 of 13, Acts 13. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them. They sent them away. You see, the church was gathered. They fasted, they prayed. After they fasted and prayed, then they laid hands on Barnabas. Saul sent them out. We've already studied about the laying out of hands and the gift of the Holy Spirit. But here we see another aspect of the laying out of hands. It was symbolic. And it can be symbolic of identifying and partnering together with an individual. You see, our ultimate goal as Christians should be getting the good news of salvation, the word of God, out to others and not about worldly self-promotion. And I bring that up because we are going to see in this chapter something very interesting about the ministry. It appears that Saul and Barnabas were sent while John Mark just went. And we'll explain that further on next week. But very again, very important principle. It appears that Saul and Barnabas were sent or that they were called and John Mark went or maybe John Mark wanted to be called. There is a difference in the ministry. And we'll wrap it up with this. Give me a couple slides forward, John. If we do not minister to the Lord in the here and now, we'll have a hard time ministering for the Lord later. As John finds that slide, there it is. We'll wrap it up with this. I firmly believe that every Christian wants to be in the ministry. I firmly believe that. But it's kind of like saying, I firmly believe that everybody wants to be in the military, but nobody wants to go through basic training. Can't be in the military without basic training. you got to go through basic training. And some of the things I've mentioned here this morning are basic training. And no matter how long a person's been in the military, and this would never happen, but just for conversation purposes, let's say that there's a battle going on and a four-star general ends up in the trench with a guy that just got out of boot camp. Not going to happen, but just for conversation's sake. And bullets are flying. Does the general order the guy around? Or do they both go back 
to the basics and try to survive. They both go back to the basics to survive. Guys, we can't leave the basics. And the church is, many in the church have left the basics and that's why we see the church the way the church is. If you're new or visiting, I said this about four months ago, this is just reality. Last year, 3,000 Christian churches closed in America. 3,000 Christian churches closed in America last year. The church is closing. Europe, 150 years ago, was maxing out cathedrals with no electricity, no amplification. They were maxing out their cathedrals. People were getting saved. People were loving the word of God. Today, their mosque, their museums, their coffee shops, or they're boarded up and closed. Don't think that it's not going to come to America. It's already here. So what do you and I need to do for the next generation? We need to minister to the Lord ourselves and then minister for the Lord to the next generation. That's our calling, guys. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. And Lord, I know we love you. But that love needs to be a verb. It needs to be expressed in action. Waiting upon you for what have you called us to do and then moving on that call. Father, I pray for every believer in this room this morning that we would truly understand the word Lord and allow your Holy Spirit to transform our hearts to become the servants you desire us to be. If you are the Lord, the Master, then we are the servant. Fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. Help us, for those who have retired in the ministry, to pray and to get reinvolved. Bless those that need to rest. Give them that spiritual rest that they need. But help them to never retire. And for those who are young in the Lord, that they would learn this principle to minister to you, Father, that they might minister for you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. When we all stand, guys, God bless you. If you need prayer, if you need to receive Jesus as your Savior, come forward. We'd love to pray for you. God bless you guys. Have a great week. Such awesome principles, basic principles, as Jim is saying, and basic training. A lot of us are parents, and you can apply that principle to sharing with your children. Are we ministering to the Lord first, or are we in our flesh frustrated because we can't always get through to them? I know I am at times, but how we need to minister to the Lord so they can see it and we minister to them. Great principles in so many aspects of our lives. Not complicated, but requires our commitment.
sing holy. There is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes.